When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Nerdificent from home. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez, and sitting across from me in the virtual space is... If you want your way, how's it going, Danny? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I feel, mm. you know, it's a long road of ups and downs, but... For Mental Health May, we've gotten a lot of great feedback on our episodes. I'm glad that they are educating people and opening up, you know, some people's perceptions about therapy and alternative treatments. Yeah, no, not to cut you off, but I have to now that you pointed that out. I'm going to read something from the Discord. BitKing said that the podcasts uh, that we've released have uh, have pushed him, and now he's contacted. He's going to get therapy. He's going to talk to a therapist. Yeah. So uh, that made me feel good. I was like, yeah, that, you know, thanks. And then other people have been doing nice little mental health things like keeping a log journal um, for for uh, like for habit breaking stuff. So, you know, lots of it's been um, it's been uh, been great. Yeah, several people wrote me that it changed how they looked at trauma, like mm. that conversation where I was saying that it's not necessarily one traumatic event it can be a bunch of small events uh like having a family member that neglected you like a parent or you know a relationship where it was like several things that might seem like well they called me dumb or they said this but it's like over time that adds up to trauma in in your brain um so yeah that's so good uh but today we're talking about something very interesting right we are we're talking about emdr not to i already forgot what is the electronic music EMD. Oh, EDM? EDM. EDM. I can see Kevin, our guest, who's like mouthing it for me. I keep getting it confused. Um, I was going to be like, speaking of trauma, our guest this week is... Damn, our guest is the hottest DJ. He is television writer, producer, showrunner, co-creator of Cougar Town, creator of Enlisted. I like to think of him as the 
a dad on the internet yeah. <laughs> kevin beagle am i a dad or a daddy because someone call me daddy Whoa, kevin. i think that's cool i think i, I, I would say with those blue eyes definitely both all right <laughs> well i'm very happy to be here i love i i i weirdly but honestly love talking about trauma because yeah i think Same. it's so i think it's a great great thing you guys are doing here oh, thank you Same. that did so, sound like a dad by the way i think it's a great thing you guys are doing here but <laughs> you, you, you and mike royce like i feel like you're both very much you take on the role of being the dads of the internet like you're constantly showing your smoked meats um <laughs> and talking about your kids but i think you look out for the rest of us that are like coming up which is necessary i feel like the rest of us that are breaking into the writing and the industry and it can be really vicious and so yeah. i feel like we need mentors and i feel like you're very much a mentor for many people but also just collectively the internet <laughs> oh, that's very to say. I, I really do think that's uh, it's it's what what we have to do and I, I mean we as like a collective kind of we anyone fortunate enough to be in a position like i'm in like i mean someone gave me multiple people gave me a shot and, and helped me out so i mean i felt i feel like if i didn't that i'd be i'd become the kind of person living in Los Angeles that I go, God, I can't stand those people, <laughs> you know? So there's basically a lot, it's a lot of it's fueled by not wanting to hate myself, but uh, ah, there is also a lot of false, uh, genuine, uh, you know, love and support. And also they're like the industry and whatever you want to call it can't survive if it's a bunch of True. white dudes like me who are writing all the stories. It's like boring. You're also not old. I see you. I see you, you tweet that sometimes. You are also not old. As your friend, this is my job to tell you these things. You are both a daddy and you're not old. <laughs> um, well, we always start our podcast with what we're geeking out about, like anything that you're super into right now. Kevin, do you have anything that you're geeking out about? Yeah, I'm obsessed uh, with the second season of what we do in the shadows. It's like yes! my favorite show comedy of the past couple of years easily. Um, it's so funny that every actor on it is excellent. The writing is incredible. It's shot so well. I mean, I, I that show is funny because the movie it's based on is one of my favorite movies. The the Marvel show that we did that never went actually the whole that show, the conceit and everything was based on that movie, even the style of it. Mm -hmm. So then when they said they were announcing this show, part of me was like, oh, I hope it fails because we didn't make it, <laughs> you know, like total, <laughs> total dicky. Um, but that. then I saw it and it's excellent. I mean, and everyone is so, it's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that show. And then the other thing I'm watching right now, it's not new um, and I'm finally catching up is uh, Catastrophe. Oh, mm. yeah. I've been wanting to catch up on that too. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ify? What are you geeking out about? Ooh, for me, you know, uh, Apex Legends has just introduced a new update and a new champion. A new champion that I just uh, can't get enough of, of Loba, mm -hmm. who she was teased in the, uh, in the earlier kind of because there was another champion in the previous season called, um, uh, uh, it's 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 very edgy. I, what is revenant, uh, and in like in the teaser, you kind of get hints that this takes place before the events of the game. And there's a little girl who looks very angry when her uh, her family's killed because revenant is a gun for hire who has had his mind uh, taken out of his body so that it can be replicated in robots so that he has a million lives. And he finds out in that uh, in that backstory. Apex Legends has a deep lore. Shout out to my friend uh, uh, Manny uh, Hagopian who writes on uh, Apex Legends and Loba. 
I texted him the other day. I was like, hey, I got a question for Apex Legends. I was like, yeah, uh, what's good? It's like, why'd you make her so hot? Um, <laughs> because uh, her name's Loba Andrade. Uh, I'll, I'll drop a link so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but but yeah, she she carries like a cane. She she has fun new abilities, and they did a lot of fixing and balancing in the game, and it's it's fun to play. I've been deep in it, and uh, I cannot wait to for the Loba cosplay. Uh, you know, uh, put yeah more thick Latinas in the game during this uh, mm-hmm. during uh, during this team. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that I'm geeking out about is actually. Joelle and I and our friend Sabina, super producer Joelle and I, like we have a little Zoom running date that happens every weekend where we watch like several hours of a TV show together, essentially also while I'm cooking and cleaning. Um, oh, I they're, love that. They're with me. And uh, we watched a fashion show with Tan France. Now, Tan France is one of the guys from Queer Eye, the newest mm-hmm. edition of Queer mm-hmm. Eye, one of my favorites. Um, in fact, I find myself... Whenever I see him do something, I'm like, oh, Tanny, because they call him Tanny in there. And I'm always like, that's my friend, Tan. Um, Anyways, I'm so obsessed with him and have been that I didn't realize that he had an biography out. Uh, And so it's called Naturally Tan. And um, it talks about his, you know, coming up and how he got to Queer Eye. And it's just really fascinating. One thing that I didn't know about him is he was making his own clothes at like 15. So it's like he's been wanting to do that and break into he's been doing it since like birth. Um, Also, he was saying because his family isn't used to Western culture that his dad bought him Barbies in a Barbie house, not knowing like our, you know, homophobia around stuff like that. That's incredible. He said his dad did it to show off to his cousin. He wanted to be like, well, look at the Christmas, not Christmas, whatever it would have the equivalent. He was like, look at what I got him. And it was like Barbies in a huge Barbie house. And he was like, it was like a dream. It was like the best. (laughs) So yeah, anyways, I love, I love Tan. Um, Also very spicy. I thought that he was just like, oh, he's like the he's non-confrontational and no he's confrontational so I that. Um, but that's on audible he narrates it i love it and i love him oh that's really cool oh i have two more things i forgot i got two more well uh, one is the show on netflix called and it's it's a kid's show but we blew through the first season with our nine-year-old daughter called Kipo and the Wonder Beasts. And yes. Ooh, friend so of the well, pod, it, Ben Meckler. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Ben's awesome. It, it, that show is great. Um, like the kind of big, weird fantasy stuff that like as a kid that you see, you're like, oh my gosh, am I the only person in the world that's going to like this? And then you find somebody yeah. else who likes it and it makes it that much oh, more yeah. special. It's great. Um, so that, that, and I think the second season is coming out pretty soon of that. And then the other thing, which isn't very new, is I'm obsessed with, uh, Witcher three, and I, I I need to honestly break the disc in half because I'm not getting anything done. Oh yeah, three in the morning. You ain't even got to the DLC yet. You I haven't. Got and to I don't the... think I can. I can't do it. <laughs> and I'm so used to like like the Skyrim sort of you know big open world stuff and Fallout where it's like there's clearly good and clearly bad. And mm-hmm. in that game, there's it's so morally gray. It's like you think you do something good, and then a whole chil- a bunch of children die. You're like, well, wait, yeah. <laughs> I killed the evil thing in the forest that was mean. They're like, no, well, the kids still had to be eaten by the witches. It's like, there's no, you don't get to be like the big hero in that game, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. I, and and it's also beautiful. So I'm 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 uh, I'm kind of losing way too much sleep and work time um, running around with Gerald. And maybe now I can watch the show on Netflix and sort of understand it because I tried to watch it before. And it was just oh. It was just too much yeah. 
Witcher lore is is yeah, deep. it was like there's a lore so much. load, and now mm-hmm. but, but now I bet you I could sit down and be like, oh, that's Siri. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like there she is. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are talking about another great transition, EMDR. Mm. Um, <laughs> it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, it's fairly new, non-traditional type of psychotherapy. It's growing in popularity, uh, particularly for treating PTSD. At first glance, it appears to approach psychological issues in an unusual way. It doesn't rely on talk therapy, although they're often combined. I think sometimes it's necessary. Um, but EMDR uses a patient's own rapid rhythmic eye movements. These eye movements dampen the power of emotionally charged memories of past traumatic events. That's some that's some uh, wild stuff. I mean, some gobbly his- goop. We're gonna get into <laughs> what that means. We just listed off a bunch of words. Yeah, but 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 stick with us. Let's let's go into the history and try and help you out. So EMDR therapy was first developed by Francine Shapiro upon noticing that certain eye movements reduced the intensity of disturbing thought. She then conducted a scientific study with trauma victims in 1988, the year me and Danny were born, and the research was published in the Journal of Traumatic Stress in 1989. Her hypothesis was that when a traumatic or distressing experience occurs, it may overwhelm normal coping mechanisms. With with the memory and associated stimuli being inadequately processed and stored in the isolated memory network. Shapiro also noted that when she was experiencing a disturbing thought, her eyes would involuntarily move rapidly. She further noted that her anxiety was reduced when she brought her eye movements under voluntary control while thinking a traumatic thought. Shapiro developed EMDR therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. She speculated that traumatic events upset the uh, excitatory-inhibitory balance in the brain, causing a pathological change in neural elements. More words. (laughs) There's a lot of information, but I feel like that was a little easier to digest, kind of hearing the history of it, because you kind of get, they kind of laid out the hypothesis really well as to why you would do this. Yeah, so I wanted to say that Kevin and I are both doing different ones. There's several different mm-hmm. ways to do EMDR uh, based on what's right for you and also the psychiatrist that you're seeing. So, Kevin, I wanted to ask, like, how did you how did you find this? Um, so I was I had been in therapy prior to starting EMDR near 10 years or so. Um, and I think I, I hit that. I don't think I know I hit that sort of plateau where. I just felt like I was in therapy and kind of talking and talking and not working through issues so much. And it, and that can be wonderful, but I, it wasn't hitting the core traumatic memories and, and experiences that I had. And I wasn't really, I wasn't moving along with them. Um, so I can't remember who it was that suggested EMDR. I actually, yes, I do. I know who it was exactly. It was my wife. Um, Cause my wife went to school to be a therapist and she had heard about this and she said, why don't you look into it? And there was uh, someone who is a very well-regarded here in Los Angeles, um, a therapist. And I wrote her and she took me in and it was actually a therapist who, by a weird connection, my wife's uh, therapist uh, uh, that she had taught with knew. So like there was, it, I wasn't a stranger coming off the street. Um, and, and just started from there. I've been doing it for about two years now. And I, and I, had to basically stop seeing the last the old therapist and switch to the new one, which was a weirdly I don't know if you've ever had to like basically say goodbye to a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a strange, like it should be easy, but it's not. And this was made stranger because she didn't want me to go and 
she was oh, saying, well, wow. maybe we can go, you can come in twice a week and, and, and you can't, you don't have to tell her about me. I'm like, this seems weird. Like, <laughs> wow. That's I like going that, with a new agent. It's like yes, leaving an agent and going with a new agent. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think I should, I should be here anymore if we're having this conversation. Um, yeah. So I kind of like, you know, kind of like got out of there and, uh, and she, uh, don't get me wrong. She was wonderful, but I think our time had, the relationship was over. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how I started with uh, EMDR. That's what I'm, I can't get over that because, well, and I've, I've seen a lot of therapists too. I kind of, we talked about it like that. It's dating, you know, you're trying to find your right one that works for you, but I just can't imagine my therapist liking me and my problems so much that they want to hang on to them. (laughs) (laughs) It's a re it is such a strange thing because you're basically, you're right. It is like auditioning people or dating them because you don't, if you, if you're trying, like I'm someone and, and maybe you are too that was very open to going in and talking about the stuff I was trying to deal with. Cause I was like, I need help. I, and if someone isn't that open to it, the experience and they go in and they sit down with somebody, there's no guarantee that first person you sit down or the second person or the third is going to be the right fit. And to kind of try to convince them, no, you have to, there's other people, there's different ways. That's, that's a hard buy for people. Cause they kind of feel like, you know, well, the mechanic didn't fix my car. So I'm selling the car. It's like, no, no, you are the car. Like go to a different <laughs> place. Yeah. Oh, terrible metaphor. Like, so uh, yeah, it's it's th- thank God the, the and I really mean that the the two therapists I've had were I was good fits with them and they were good fits with me because yeah that's that's a tough that's that's hard that's really hard when it's not a right fit yeah I wanted to get into what an actual session is so some mm-hmm. can last up to ninety minutes essentially your therapist will move his or her his or her fingers back and forth in front of your face and ask you to follow these hand motions with your eyes. At the same time, the EMDR, the, the EMDR therapist will have you recall a disturbing event. We'll get into that because that's mm-hmm. extremely traumatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will include the emotions and body sensations that go along with it. Some therapists use alternatives to finger movement, such as hard or toe hand or toe tapping or musical tones. Now, I know yours is a little bit different. Kevin, can you talk about when you first what your first session was like? Yeah, it was so it was very, really, really interesting. I think it's really important to stress as we're talking about EMDR. Um, and this is my personal experience. I can't speak for anybody else. But if you're going into to look, look at doing it, you don't want if you go into a, uh, a new therapist and you do it, you don't want to do it the first session. Like that's not the way to do it. You have to build up the EMDR kind of experience. Uh, and there's a whole process that goes there. You know, that it's basically, I met with my therapist probably for a solid month, you know, once a week. Um, she's getting my history, uh, getting the, the history of my trauma, the stuff that I was them kind of presenting her with. Um, and then even beyond, and that's just kind of normal therapist talk. But the thing that's very specific to EMDR as I had it was, then you're also to gear up for these EMDR sessions. You're building this sort of mental safe space, if this makes sense, and you're populating it with people who ha- you have zero issues other than pure support and love. So mine, and I, I'll expose this part. My my mental safe space to go to was my garage because the garage has no other issues outside of it. It's like this big nerdy garage full of movie posters that I watch films in. I have friends over to watch them. I, I just sit in there and play Skyrim like an idiot. And, and you know, everyone tells me to, to turn the volume down. Like, it's just pure joy being in there. And, and it literally does feel safe. It's cozy. So that's kind of a mental mental starting place for these sessions. And then I've populated it with people. And I've taught, you know, we go th- in therapy. We go through who are these people. It doesn't have to be a lot. Um 
who are pure people and influences in your life that you basically want there uh, in, as you're thinking about this um, to be behind you. Imagine they're kind of surrounding you and they've got one, someone's got their hand on your shoulder and you're just, you're surrounded by people who love you and you love them. Um, and you get those, and you talk about why those people are important. So you're, I'm in the, I'm in, so mentally you kind of build this place up where I'm in my garage and I've got people around me that I care about. Um, and trust me, when the first time I did this, I'm like, this sounds insane. Like this does not, this doesn't sound like therapy. This sounds like, you know, someone's waving a crystal over my head, you know, and they're chanting around me. Um, but anyhow, so I sat on the couch and the therapist sat in front of me and she had these two little devices that she could control that pulsed and vibrated. And I, I could, you put them wherever on your body you want. You just want to feel that vibration, very rhythmic vibration. And I had them and I put them underneath my legs, uh, underneath my thighs. And basically before we started the EMDR session, we pinpointed kind of one specific moment that was kind of a core for a lot of the trauma that I was dealing with. And this specific moment for me was I was dealing with a lot of trauma still because a little over 10 years ago, out of nowhere, I had a heart attack, almost killed me. Doctors all said it should have killed me. And it, I, and I had no way of coping with that reality. I mean, it was just, I couldn't shut off that switch that said you should be dead. I just couldn't. I mean, and it would come back to me all the time and just, and even thinking about it would scare the crap out of me. And it was, it was very, it's hard to deal with. Um, so the core memory, one of them at least, that was a big signifier of this stuff and would literally kind of cause me to tense up and shoulders would go up was when I got a phone call from a heart doctor that said, you're, you need heart surgery immediately. Um, we need to put a stent in you or we need to do angioplasty. Um, you've got a major blockage, 99% blocked in the back. It's the, basically the thing that they call the widow maker that kills, mm -hmm. kills people like that. And I'm out of nowhere. It was a Friday night. I was at home eating pizza. Like I was like, what? So I'm sitting at my desk and I take this phone call. So that was kind of the, and I could never think about that call without those things I just talked about. My, you know, going like this, my face getting flushed, just, you know, classic traumatic reaction. And that would reverberate in other places in my life. So basically I've got these little buzzing things underneath my legs. She goes, okay, you know, however you want to do this, do you want to keep your eyes open, close them, whatever. I wanted to close them, I closed my eyes. And she said, go through the memory and tell me what you see. So I went through the memory and it went through it. First time I went through it was pretty basic. And in my mind's eye, I was picturing what I saw then. And what I saw then was me sitting at my desk, you know, my, my eyes looking down and writing on a, a pad with red notes, you know, what the doctor was saying. I was seeing my point of view. So she went through the whole thing and she goes, okay, you know, now it's how, you know, questions. How did that make you feel? How does this make you feel telling it? I told her, okay, now let's go through it again. Things are still vibrating underneath my legs. My eyes are still shut. I go through it again. This time when I go through it, I'm a little angrier when I tell the story. It's frustrating me more. Uh, all the stuff's bubbling up. Same things. Oh, why are you angry right now? Let's talk about that. Go with that. Next time she goes, okay, let's hear it again. Oh, okay. Go through it a third time. The third time, as I'm telling it, that's when like the tears start, you know, and oh my God, I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to be not around for my wife or my kids. This is awful. Um, go through it again. And then same questions again. And this is where it gets 
the magic part for me at least happened and why I'm the biggest proponent of it ever. And I know it works, at least in my case. She goes, go through it again. Fourth time I go through it, not crying as much this time, but the we I swear to God, the strangest thing happened. My point of view in my mind's eye, my eyes were shut as I'm telling the story. And I didn't even think about this until it was happening and after it happened. My, my point of view was no longer me looking straight down. Now I was me, I was looking at the back of my head sitting at that desk. I was looking at me sitting at that desk. And as I went through it, slowly, it's like a, a camera shot, slowly the camera started to pull back and I saw not just the back of my head, I saw my shoulders, I saw the back of the chair, I saw the desk in front of me. And as I told the story, I was a little lighter as I told it. I wasn't as heavy, one as it wasn't as crying as much. It was still sort of hazy around the edges of the image that I saw. We talked about why I felt that way. And she goes, okay, now do it again. And then as I told it this fifth or sixth or seventh time, I don't even know how long, because it was one of those 90 minute, 100 minute sessions. I swear to God, this happened. As I, as I tell the story this last time, the camera in my mind's eye comes around and now I was looking at myself in my mental image of this memory. I was no longer my POV looking at that piece of paper. I was looking at me hearing this news, seeing me back then. And my immediate reaction to that is I started probably one of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my entire life. I just started laughing so hard in the middle of the, of the session. And, as I'm, and she's like, don't stop, go through it. And I can't stop laughing. And I'm seeing this guy here whose life is just has just broken in a way he could never have anticipated every fear he ever had. Cause I grew up with a huge fear of death and stuff in my family. Everything here has just been confirmed. He thinks he's going to die and I'm laughing my ass off at him <laughs> and I get through it. And I'm and my point of view is now looking at me and she says, why are you laughing? And I said, because I, that idiot has no idea the amount of shit he's going to have to put up with for the next 10 years of his life dealing with this right now. He has no idea what's in store for him. Like he is just like still got pizza on his face. Like what's going on? And, and, and it was the most incredible thing. Went through it again. And this perspective stayed that way. I was now looking at myself. Session was over, you know, okay, come out of it. The vibration sort of stops. I'm exa absolutely exa exhausted. And I don't mean like, I mean like mentally exhausted. I felt like I just run a marathon. And she's like, go home, don't drink, you have a snack and get a good night's sleep. Okay, this weird magic trick thing that just happened. And I go home and then that was about a year and a half ago. Mm. It has been, I have, I have never once thought about that specific memory again and had it be terrifying or scary or have that power over me that it used to have. Now, because of what the EMDR has done, and as I've sort of tried to understand the science, that was such a huge traumatic memory, and you guys spoke of it when you were describing this, your body can't process something that severe right away, and it doesn't even know how to store it. So it's almost like, it's just like, let's shove it in here, and it's just sitting in parts of your brain, affecting other things, affecting other memories, other decisions, uh, other emotions, and what EMDR does is basically kind of compartmentalize it, compartmentalize it, I can't talk, and puts it in a place where you can understand what that moment was. But also for me, understand I'm not that person anymore. I'm the person now. I'm the person who's put the work into myself and is still gonna have to keep putting the work into myself. But I'm not, I'm not that, the, and I, I use this term specifically just for me, and I don't mean it to use anybody else, but um, I'm not that victim anymore of that circumstance. I'm someone who survived that and I'm on the, I'm, and I'm still surviving it. 
and that's that was that that was one experience with EMDR uh, with an actual session, and that's I it, it's insane how it has basically taken a real traumatic memory and moment and not made me scared of it anymore and not made me live in fear of it and live in fear of bringing it up. And I can at times laugh at it cause that's mine. Like that's, that was my story. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not a slave to that story anymore. That's me that existed in my head. And now it's part of me, but it doesn't rule me. And it's just, it is, I don't, I don't tense up or anything when I think about it anymore. And that was, that was the first big one we did. And there's been a number of them since then. Some of them were hard stuff. Some of them were other things in my life that I've kind of went through and, 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 and am dealing with and dealt with. But, and there's been a couple other ones that were that, that visually stunning as far as how it changed my perception of things. So I actually have questions about your first one. I have a yeah. bunch of questions, okay. but we're going to take a really quick break. And then I'm going to ask you all of these okay. <laughs> right after this. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Andrew. 
And we're back. I wanted to say you and I actually talked about uh, the show that I had sold uh, to HBO Max that was about life after my suicide attempt, which is the same thing. I thought it was the funniest thing when I woke up that, I mean, it's very dark and this is why we're all comedy writers, Yeah. but I thought it was so hilarious that I uh, felt like I was a failure at everything. And I also failed doing this. Oh and that God. to me was so dark, but funny. And it's just, it's just riddle. Actually, everybody in my crisis group also had that like sense of humor. We would just laugh about things that you're not supposed to laugh about, like your heart attack and other stuff. Um, but it's very unique to us. And I feel it's very healing. So I know that can be hard for some people to understand, but I do feel there's a huge portion of people, especially comedy people. Comedy yeah. comes from pain and trauma. Oh, so yeah. uh, why a lot of comedians that had rough childhoods, I honestly, if you didn't have one, I don't know how, <laughs> Don't I think you should choose a different job. <laughs> it also, not that I would ever want, wish this would happen to me or you upon anyone, but it definitely, I mean, I can even, we, we've never talked before, uh, you know, face to face, right? We've been friends online, but never talked before. Immediately you can sense when somebody else has had that kind of ex an experience that's traumatic because it's like, oh, there's a short emotional shorthand already was with certain, you feel, feel like you're more open with people. Like it's really interesting how that can form a bond very quickly, which I think is very, it's, it's fascinating. And I think you're right. And, and this, and I, I can see why EMDR has become such a big thing with uh, soldiers coming back because, you know, how do you talk about these things that you don't even want to talk about or even or, or even think about? This is it's a it's an amazing technique that can kind of help heal you. Kevin, so can you talk to me about the thigh, <laughs> whatever <it's, laughs> the vibrators? I'm so is she moving that? Are you telling her to move them? No, so are she's, you... so basically you, you kind of set it up at the beginning of the EMDR session. They're two kind of little vibrating rhythmic things. Um, <laughs> Kevin's dirty comedy brain is going to certain places. <laughs> but uh, she's increasing the dosage, right? Or like, well, she can, yes, okay. she, she can, she can definitely, she can definitely adjust the intensity of them, how, how hard that, how, how hard they kind of vibrate and how quickly that they vibrate. If it's like one hard one, hard one, hard one, or hard, slow, slow, slow. Um, and there is, so the EMDR I do, it, it, I can't remember the specific name. It's called, it's like touch sensitive EMDR. It's like a subset kind of of EMDR. And this one was discovered by someone who they were literally out for a walk one day and they noticed that the bipedal motion of their feet on the ground had an, a, an effect on a, 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 a memory they were thinking of. And they, they took that little moment of inspiration and developed this entire system. So basically, it I think it helps in kind of rewiring your brain because the sensation, the input, it's not just visual, it's not just memory. There's actually a touch feeling to it too. You're using more senses. I think, don't quote me on that. I'm not a scientist. I'm, I write fart jokes for a living. Um, so, but she controls the, the vibrations. And sometimes they get more intense, sometimes less, but usually it keeps kind of like a steady pace. Um, and it's actually, I find it very soothing actually to have these kind of things vibrating under, underneath your leg. You don't even think about them after the first minute. They're just there, but it's just kind of like a gentle hum as you're, as you're going through these um, very, very emotional, like in, and triggering and hard memories and things you, you know, don't want to say or admit it somehow it's like almost like a comfort blanket. Like, it's not the same thing, but I can almost see how this, that feeling of like having a weighted blanket on you, it, there's a, there's a similar touch something to it. And another thing that's interesting about this is that uh, part and parcel with the, um, 
which is the new pilot I just sold to ABC part and parcel. It's about a parcel company that also sells auto parts. Um, it, it's a, it's why my wife tells me. I never know. I never know when you're kidding or not. So. <laughs> no, um, no, it's, it's, there's a thing called tapping. So, and and you've seen maybe Olympic athletes and stuff do this before a race where they'll tap their shoulders, tap their forehead. It's kind of a way of mentally prepare, setting yourself. And the thing I've done, and this thing that has really helped here is the same place that those um, vibration things that I take for EMDR, which is underneath my legs, for memories that are profound memories or revelations or whatnot, part of the therapy is you kind of, she the therapist calls it tapping it in. So like 10 or 12 times, you just tap it on top of your thigh. And it sounds silly, but in a weird way, it's almost like, hitting the save button on a computer and it, it physically and the physical sensation, it's one thing to go, boy, I want to remember this forever, but there's something about doing that, that it kind of, for me, at least locks it in. And I know that's part of the, the touch sensitive EMDR therapy as well. Um, another thing I think, are you still doing it? Are you still doing EMDR? Oh yeah. Or yeah, when I did you, I... Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, it seems like it's something that like, you would do for a short, I just can't imagine because I'm currently doing it and we're going to yeah. get into the one that I'm doing, but I can't imagine doing it for a year. So like, are you no, still finding new breakthroughs? And I definitely, it's interesting you say that because I definitely am finding new breakthroughs about stuff, but it's about different things. And the, a lot of the therapy has shifted to more traditional um, therapy sessions, which is great. Uh, not as EMDR specifically focused, but in those therapy sessions, every once in a while, stumble upon something that is like, oh, this is something to dig deeper about. Like there was a thing with with my family that I had never, it's one of those, I'm sure you've had this before. It's the strangest thing where you're in there and you blurt out something in the middle of a session. And you're like, especially the ones where you're like, what am I going to talk about today? And it's like, shit, I got an hour to kill. I have to fill, I have to fill the room with, and then you say something, you go, oh my gosh, that's why this person treated me horribly growing up or whatever it is. Like how the hell did I never realize that? And there's, it's very helpful to know that then there's a resource for me that's EMDR that can then deal with those things. I, and I think you're right though. I think if you're going, and it's totally fine if you're going in for a specific thing, you know, if you're a soldier going in for uh, seeing your buddy almost killed or whatever it is like, yes, that's great. You don't have to stick with it forever. Um, but I just, I, I like having that there. That was so funny because people ask me when I first started therapy and I normally tell them, oh, it was when I was 17. I had an eating disorder just from bullying in school and my parents put me in therapy. And then I'm like, unless you count, like, uh, I remember going to therapy when I was little and, I'm, and then I was like, uh oh, I think I was in therapy when I was little, <laughs> but I like don't fully remember. I just remember being in the office and oh, like, wow. you know, therapy is so different for kids. And I think it was mainly for my little brother, but it's uh, also something that I <laughs> haven't, I have so much going on. I haven't even tackled that yet with my family. Yeah, uh, like, so we'll mom, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, I remember a highlights magazine in the office and me having to be there and talk to a lady. And then I was like, uh oh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it's it's like we were saying your brain uh literally to protect itself will put those away yeah. it was like you were saying it will like compartment it'll like put that in a, a safe uh compartment and why some of us need more than talk therapy it's like we're hitting a wall we're mm -hmm. hitting like a boundary or something that like you just can't level up in my opinion i was like That's i've done so that. i've done so much talk therapy why am i not floating at this point yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it's the hardest i think you hit it exactly on the head is that 
the, the way it was explained to me, and I've tried to edu educate myself about this more, there is there's there's big trauma and little trauma. Big trauma is like the big stuff you think of, like the huge things that we've been talking about. But there's also little trauma, and little trauma can be the you know why do you think you remember that kid who called who who yeah. uh, called me fat in third grade? Why would why would that memory stick with me randomly? Well, actually, if you dig into it, there's a reason for that. Like, why does this little thing stay with me that my mom said to me when I was leaving for college? I don't know. Oh shit! Yeah, I took that in a certain way, and that or that was indicative of something else. And those things are insidious because they are like little boxes, but unfortunately, they're like little leaky boxes that then get their shit on everything else in your brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is like a way of mopping mopping them up, basically. Yeah, that's that's what's so interesting, and that's why I like one of my favorite, you know, comedy bits to do, whether it be an improv or in a dialogue, is when someone says when someone like mentions someone's first and last name as a retort where it's like yeah yeah i am strong jen jen bakerson because you everyone can relate to that one person whose first and last name you remember who said that thing to you and for some reason you're still hanging on to it and and if you talk to a therapist they might let you know but yeah. one thing i did want to talk about how you were talking about how your brain compartmentalize this is um I've, yeah, Danny knows this. I went down a hole during, uh, you know, people have dis disassociative uh, um, disorder, which, you know, was used to be known as multiple personality disorder. And watching them talk about that trauma and what goes through it, a lot of times is they dissociate when they deal with the trauma because they attach, they create a new uh, oh, wow. identity uh, to who, who they believe can handle that trauma. And a lot of times, like, it's interesting. There's lots of words. It's worth checking out, like worth checking out, like out of sheer interest. Don't like go here to be like, uh, you know, like it, it's very interesting because they, um, they really like break down their every, you know, personality has a role. You have one, like there are some people who like, whenever it's sex and sex stuff that's that personality whenever it's it's dealing with the trauma it's and it's usually the personality around it is built for it so like a strong you know man personality can handle you know because of our like patriarchal ideas of what can handle pain you'll have like a man a strong man even in women or women identifying uh you know people with did will make that person the one who deals with the trauma it's oh, wow. very interesting and it, it also makes you marvel at our brains of like we are built to try and protect and defend ourselves from those things. And so, so much so that we will create a whole new person, you know, to deal with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, I know you went down that rabbit hole. If you and I, I don't know if you personally know anyone or Kevin, do you know anybody that is also doing EMDR? Are you like the only one out of your friends? Um, that's a good question because I, 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 I think I do is the answer I can say, because I'm like, I'm Johnny open about every emotional thing. Cause I don't, I feel like I like it. And I also feel like it gives me power over the thing. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about you. I don't care. Um, Same. but I could never expect that from my friends. And so I know that some of them are, I know that some of them do therapy and I know that some of them do EMDR, but I don't know how deep they've gotten into this, the session. Yeah. And I've had friends come to me because I've talked about it online and said, Hey, uh, can you tell me about it? Can you recommend me to anybody? Um, and I, and I have, um, because I mean, I, if I would, I wish that everybody could, would, could have this resource. I mean, it's, I'm very, 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 I realize how fortunate I am to have this. So it's, 
um, and the, but the wonderful thing is that there's a lot of uh, places that are starting to offer the services as it because it's fairly new. Um, I know like some of the VAs are starting to do it more. Some of the uh, the you know if you look look online, you can find therapists that don't charge a lot or are just still trying to get their hours. Um, and you can get in there, uh, but I'm not sure the ones trying to get their hours can do EMDR because I think you have to be have you have to be specialized oh, or even mm -hmm. learn it. Um, but it's there's definitely more opportunities out there for people to do it. For me, it kind of at least your initial sessions, the way that I think of it is like it's the movie of your life, and then they have you freeze on like the worst possible moment of your life. So yeah. it does, like you said, it takes you have to build up that resiliency. Um, it's like essentially if you were watching The Lion King and then just watch the part where Mufasa dies for 30 minutes. That's <laughs> it's always just... those terms even get used where the therapist would be like, okay, now rewind. Mind, now pause like and i'm like okay <laughs> i get it but no you're it's exactly it it's like take i'm like why can't we do emd what's the opposite of emdr can we do emdr with like the really great stuff like the time i went to taco bell and they gave me like six free tacos like <laughs> can i do emdr for that i think that there i think there actually is i think that's the other side of emdr I think once you process your traumatic stuff, it's allowing you, I don't know, talk to your therapist about it. But when I was well, researching yeah. for this episode, um, when I was researching for this episode, I did see that they had, uh, eventually move over to the good, you focus on the good memories and kind of like strengthen them. Oh, that's really interesting. Ours are just having us go through all the crap. All the crap, I know. <laughs> we're going to take another quick break. Um, then we're going to hop back into EMDR and talk about brain spotting, which is the one that I'm doing right after this right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee visit rightrug.com that's r-i-t-e-r-u-g.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. 
We're still talking about EMDR. Thank you again, mm-hmm. Kevin, for being so open. Of course. About your process. I know, so, truly. You gave a lot of insight and got real personal with us, and I truly appreciate that. We're going to talk about uh, my subsect of brain spot, uh, my subsect of EMDR, which is brain spotting. If you do want to tell the people what brain spotting is. Yeah. Brain spotting is a powerful focus treatment method that works by identifying, processing, and releasing core neurophysiological sources of emotional body pain, trauma, dissociation, and a variety of other challenging symptoms. Brain spotting is a simultaneous form of diagnosis diagnosis and treatment, enhanced with bilateral sound, which is deep, direct, and powerful, yet focused and containing. And uh, brain spotting was discovered in 2003 by David Grant, PhD, and over 13,000 therapists have been trained in BSP, which is brain spotting, uh, 52 internationally in the United States, South America, Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Australia, and Africa. Yeah, so it actually accesses unprocessed trauma in the subcortical brain. The first time I did it, okay, so my session was essentially um, where I'm looking at you know those pointers that professors have, not the not the light ones, like a physical actual pointer that you pull out and you can point to a uh, you can point to something on the chalkboard. That is essentially what they have for me. They have this little pointer that they pull up, um, and they can adjust the height and adjust it across uh, horizontally and vertically. I'm staring at the top of the pointer and she has me access like what are what is angering you right now or what what are the feelings that you're feeling what is the memory that you're thinking of and let's say mine's being cheated on so she has me look at the top of the pointer and focus on the emotions and feeling even in my body I feel it in my gut I feel it behind my belly button of this feeling, this fear of being cheated on. Um, and then the anger starts to come up, which is why it was so funny, Kevin, that you said that. I got progressively more angry. Oh, I wow. actually think that I experienced all the stages of grief in that session <laughs> where you're angry and that I'm sad and I'm weeping. Meanwhile, she's dead silent. Like they're <laughs> silent most of the time while you're doing this. It's you processing for 20 minutes and I'll occasionally check in. She'll be like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I'm like, I just don't know why I'm so angry. And she's like, okay, just question that. And that's helped me a ton with my healing is not being judgmental because I'd be judgmental of like, why are you jealous of this woman? And you're so bitter and you're so blah, 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 and you can't let it go and you'll never be this. And instead it's like, I'm curious as to why Danny is, why she can't let this go, why she doesn't want to move on. Why is she holding on to this? You know? And for a lot of people, it's like, well, it makes sense. That makes sense. You'd be upset about that. But what we're saying is, okay, but we've now reached a level in our therapy where we want to let go. We're done yeah. hanging on to this. It's effect- It's like the poison where, what is that? Hatred is like poison or jealousy is like poison. Um, but like if you drink it your- yourself and expect the other person to die, it's like, it's just is this gripping, tense feeling that you don't want to have anymore about this person and so or this memory. However, afterwards I was incredibly I was I felt very brave. I felt extremely brave for for bringing up these traumatic events and of course it's not just one thing. It's like, well, my dad was a cheater. He cheated on my mom a ton. Okay, well, he left our family. Okay, I've been left before. Like it's all of these things. It's not just like one instance, right? It's all these things like you were saying that it's a leaky compartment that mm. that dives into all these other things. Afterwards, I felt 
okay. Like I felt like, okay, I've, I let that go. It was cathartic. I wept about it. And she told me, you're going to be processing this for the next 48 hours. But like whatever comes up immediately after your session is in your inner core. And I had a breakthrough. Every time I do it, I have a breakthrough. But it's like this is you've now focused on this for an hour. So you got past the surface of what you think. So now after this hour, every journal what is coming up and it would be breakthroughs. It was like, oh, this isn't about them. This isn't about her. This is about this thing that happened to me a long time ago. And like, this is why I can't let it go. And like, that doesn't even have to do with me. That has to do with them and the way that they treat like it's all these all these things are coming up. So I felt good. 24 hours later, I completely spiraled. Mm -hmm. And I remember I messaged Kevin, I messaged you. And I was like, I have totally spiraled. And I can't I was just in a dark place. I was writing stuff that was like, how, why, like, what is the purpose of life? If It's just going to be trauma all the time. It was just, I was in a not great place. (laughs) And you were great. You were just like, hang in there. It was great to talk to you. And knowing that you had like, also had essentially what you're doing, in my opinion, with with accessing this trauma is you're opening up a wound and making it now a raw nerve. Now you're desensitizing yourself. The more that you do it, like Kevin was saying, you do end up like it gets easier. And now that I've done multiple sessions, it's much easier, but that's what you're doing. And that's why I think it takes a tremendous amount of bravery to know that you're actively going into to the dark side. It's like you're taking a flashlight and you're going into something that you can't even see, like just the darkest area, the scariest, creepiest area of your brain and knowing that you'll come out on the other end, but it's terrifying going in there. It's so scary. I mean, it, it's the thing that was I was told me told to me that I, I, I always come back to about this stuff is you don't ever get over any of this stuff. You just learn to integrate it. And that's a huge, there's a huge difference there, you know, and I think, I think with a lot of therapy, whether it's EMDR or the one I kind I do or brain spotting like you do, or even just, you know, laying on a couch therapy, the misnomer for a lot of people is they think, well, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to get over this and be fine. It's like, no, you don't get over anything. You just learn how to incorporate it into part, into your life. Yeah. But I was that I, I that night I remember I, I was like, I, I was talking, my wife was next to me and I was like, uh, honey, um, we got to pause for a second. I was like, I was going to text you and ask for your phone number. Like, I didn't give you a call to make sure you were okay. But it's scary when that stuff pops up. It is. Yeah. It's, it's that I. It's one of the worst feelings when you put so much work into something, and like you said, you do something so brave, and then your body goes, "Nope, we're still freaked out." I don't know if you do this. I do this all the time, where I yell at my body. Body, we really doing this today? And I'm like, <laughs> yourself. I'm like, no. Th- this is my brain, and this is my belly, and I'm going to yell at my belly. Like, I just, I get so. It's like a stupid conversation. But what was wild for me is I'm literally paying someone to just hold up a pointer. And, and, and meanwhile, I am listening. It's bilateral sound. So she has a soundtrack that I'm listening to, which does, um, I can send it to you, but they have, it's so funny because I did ketamine. I did clinical ketamine at a doctor's office and I realized like Just to clarify, clinical (laughs) ketamine. Listen, I got really low and wild. I called up my dealer. Um, (laughs) Dr. Fun time. (laughs) I did clinical ketamine and they also had a headphones on me where they played bilateral sound and it, it gets into a, I don't know, a part of your brain. It literally makes me cry every time I listen to it, but like it, not in a bad way, but in a, okay, I'm ready. I'm strapped in, I'm safe and I'm ready to, 
you know, have you ever listened to music that makes you like you actively want to listen to something oh, that all makes the you time. cry? Yeah, I mean, like I have a every I mean, I can put on a soundtrack right now. I'll be crying in 10 seconds. <laughs> It's yeah, like, it's <laughs> the flying circus cue from the Rocketeer. Here we go. Wait, I'm saying, is the is the is the is it like a tonal thing, or are you listening mm -hmm, to like it's the both. No, 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 no. It's like um, it's like meditation, like music is what I can. But there's definitely a a beat to it. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, we'll put a link. I'll put a link. I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing people use it for different reasons. They use it for sleep hypnosis as mm -hmm. well, which is a big thing that I'm into. Um, but what was fascinating is when I did the ketamine, they used the same soundtrack. Oh, wow. So I recognized it. And then that also made me cry. But um, when so you I'm were doing your session, I'm sorry, when you, I'm so curious when you were. So when you do your sessions, does does the therapist guide you through them at all? Or does she basically say, watch this and go? And then does she ask you to replay the session or is it kind of you're you're the captain to your own ship? I'm the captain. Mm. I think also because I've just done. So she's like, I'm going to trust your brain. Let me know. Here's another thing. She tells me where to put the pointer. And I'm telling y'all listening at home. It is the wildest thing because she'll move it to a certain location on the screen. And it makes me uncomfortable. And I'll tell her, can you lower it? And can you move it a little to the left? That's the thing that drove me that I thought was crazy. Because you would think, oh, it's just a dot. And it's like, no, I actually, oh, this feels so weird. No, can you oil an inch? Okay, that's too low. Can you move it up? It's the wildest thing. And I guess it's accessing, th that makes sense. Like, I guess it's accessing something great. And I am a firm believer now that I've had these sessions with it. Uh, so she's playing the music. She does check in with me. She'll watch me get really emotional and I'll see her just nodding her head like, yep, <laughs> you got it. Like you got into the 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 thing. And oh, when you do it, your eyes are open. Yes. Interesting. Because I'm staring at the point. Oh, duh. That's right. You're staring at the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm staring. So my eyes are open and it's the why. OK, so for me, this last session, I dealt with fear. It was like the fear of being abandoned, the fear of being cheated on, the fear of being all of that, like just an overwhelming sense of fear that anytime I'm going into a new relationship, I'm like, this isn't going to last. He's going to cheat on me. He's going to, I don't care. Like he's going to cheat on, like, it's just, it's, it's so ingrained, you know? And so the little dot, it was so crazy that I was staring at the whole time. It was just like, give me your fear. Just give it to me. Hmm. Just, just hand it to me. It's fine. I'll take it. I'll just take it from you. And it was just the wildest. It was almost like I could just place all my fear on the top of that dot and then walk away. It was just crazy. <laughs> wow. I love that. I so love that was my, that was my experience. Every time I do it, we're kind of focusing. It all has to do with validation and fear and like abandonment, but I would say it's different. It's different. It's, it's different. Like she'll, she'll check in with me and be like, what is the thing that's affecting you the most right now? Um, and so we'll, and then she has me check in with my body. So mm -hmm. it'll be like, where do you feel it? And, yeah, and, I get that too. Yeah, it'll be like my chest. I can just feel it heaving. Like it's just like a knot in my throat or something. Um, wow. And it eases up. So there's different, yeah. So so in other words, there's very different ways. Your EMDR that you're doing is very different than mine. Um, however, both effective for us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How long, as we wrap up here, do you think it's something that you'll do maintenance on, or do you think you could ever stop doing it? I there's there's a part of me that wants to say that I can stop, 
but that's the part that that's the anxious part of me that goes that just gives me another hour to work every day and i know that's <laughs> not healthy so i think it's good that i keep going and doing it and and keep discovering stuff and i don't think I don't think it'll be EMDR sessions forever, like we were talking about earlier. I think they'll be fewer and farther between. Because um, I'm not sure about yours, but mine have been very, mine are very pinpointed about specific memories. Yeah. Um, and, and and as we talk more, like more of those things kind of pop, like I never thought this was so important, like I was saying, but it is. And I think a lot of the, the big ones I've actually kind of addressed, like the hard stuff I'm way better with than I was before. Some the relationship stuff with oh, I'm way better uh, with than I was before. What it's actually, and this, this is kind of a side note, but it's interesting. It has made me much more open to even other different types of therapies. Like uh, I went to did marriage therapy with my wife because I'm like, we've been married for 10 years. And at first I was like, I don't want to do that. We're perfect. And she's like, no stupid. It's like check <laughs> up on yourself, check up on us. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. And part of that that we do is this in, it's a very intense thing where that your faces are like, 12 inches apart and you were looking directly into the other person's Oof. eyes and it's, it sounds nuts and you can't look away really. And you have to keep that contact as you talk to them. And, and it's really, and I love, it's just made me more curious about the therapy and also how that affects the human mind because it's just, that's why not? Like this is up here. I want to learn as much as I can about it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say, cause you talked about some of your breakthroughs. So one of my breakthroughs was realizing it was like, Oh, they did that because they're hurt like that or because they're insecure when i look at since we're being really open my dad cheated on my mom a ton even though she was gorgeous she was a great mom to us and it just didn't i think in her mind it was like oh if i were just prettier and i was just that's how i think often it's like if i was just more successful if i was just prettier and then you realize and it's like oh no they have a whole, they have an insecurity in themselves that means they, they need outside validation from more than what, like they need outside, my dad needed outside validation from so many women to cure how he felt about himself. Wow. And it didn't cure, it was just like a hole that he could never fill, um, that he should have been getting help on, right? But those are like breakthroughs that you have that's like, it literally wasn't me. There was literally nothing else I could have done. It was them and their insecurity and their fear and their hurt. And it's kind of like that hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it was such a great breakthrough for me to, you know, and, and take off a lot of fault and take off a lot of that heaviness that I feel um, that like all of it is because of me. And it was just yeah. like, yeah, that's an, that's an amazing shift to have. I've had that once a similar sort of thing with uh, a, it was it was via EMDR and it was a relationship where I was basically looking at it going, oh, gosh, I was like, like I, I hated how uh, I felt I was treated and I just felt like I was just a nothing. And it was just, you know, this other person had all the power. And then via these sessions, something very similar happened where I was like, I was just mm -hmm. the, I was just the person who was in their uh, eye line dealing with it. Like, it ain't about me. Yeah, I've had so many times where I've been like, wait, he's miserable. <laughs> I've literally, especially dating people in this industry, I'm like, well, no, he got to walk away and he's successful. And I'm like, but he's miserable. <laughs> okay, I get it. I'm glad I, wa I'm glad I had boundaries and walked away and like, yeah. One Mine of the most powerful things you can realize, and it sounds horrible because it's like, it's not wishing ill on somebody else. It's not because it's, you got to take care of yourself is that exact yeah. thing you just said is going, oh, wait, yeah, 
you're a sad sack and you're miserable. Okay. <laughs> I want to say it's not just relationships. It's our, it's colleagues and people yeah. you've had to work for. And you're like, you take it as a writer or whatever. It's like, this person is treating me awful. I must be not great at my job. I'm not as talented as I thought or blah, blah. blah. And then yeah. you're like, oh crap, this person is just not. And then, and then you find out like everybody else has the same story with this person. So it's very, you know, th- this is the, the, be- the best therapy-ish advice I ever got, and I'm only going to say it is because it's from the coolest person ever. It's from Keith David because Keith was on Enlisted and he was on the New Warrior show and I'm friends with him. He's like a wonderful human being. And I was talking to him at one point about life and, and, and issues and stuff and somebody who was just kind of toxic. And he goes, Kevin, you know what I've learned? And I go, what, what? Please tell me. And he goes, it's not your shit. I go, what do you mean? He goes, everything else, it's not your shit. That's their Always remember that. <laughs> but in my head, I hear Keith David saying that as like, as like the gar- King Gargoyle. I'm like, all right. Yeah, time to take this in for a landing. And it was thank you so much for talking with this, uh, talking about us, talking about this with us, Kevin. This was such a fun, uh, illuminating discussion. I it. Thank you. And I hope it helps someone. Because I think what's good about episodes like this one and uh, the one we did uh, last week is I know like therapy itself is such a hard sell for some people but then even going beyond that is another hard sell like so to hear other people talking about like we say like the more you talk about it the more it reduces the stigma i think one of the hardest things about therapy is for so long we've believed that therapy is for for people who are who are quote-unquote crazy and who 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 need some type of help so even going beyond talk therapy people start you know getting self-conscious about it people so i think having people so openly talking about it that they can look at and be like oh no it's it's fine it's nothing about me it's just to help and i think that you really hit something important about couples therapy too because i think people once again that's another thing people assume it's for couples that are that are that are at the brink and it's the last uh, thing and it's like no don't wait till you're at that point for couples therapy trust me if you do it early you probably won't get to that point it's to help you understand each other you know and also to make people feel valued because there's that time tug of war in relationships that, you know, people might feel undervalued or more value or a lack of understanding in the things that each other are doing or the headspace, you know, cut all the assuming out, go to couples therapy. Kevin, where can everyone find you? Uh, let's see, uh, lockdown at my house, uh, making barbecue <laughs> random people. Um, and also I'm at K Beagle, K B I E G E L at Twitter and that Kevin Beagle on Instagram. Oh, I don't follow you on Instagram. I'm yeah, follow it's, your... it's actually different content. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Yes. That sounds spicy. I know it's not, but <laughs> follow Kevin on his OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Me and Henry Cavill. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be uh, it'll be uh, Kevin's. Uh, you know, he's he's when he does all the pork barbecue, it'll be mm-hmm. his only hams. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, Two look, dads. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah, entered the chat. I have a new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, you know me, Ify Wadi Way, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if D's on Twitch, Super Punch, uh, Mondays through Fridays now. We're doing five days of the week uh, with me hosting the show. And then outside of that, doing uh if these on twitch streaming video games when i should be doing this pilot uh <laughs> but we got some fun stuff uh you know me and uh writer buddy we're gonna be doing like uh digital writers workshops and all other types of bs to uh have that like 
outlet uh because and uh, yeah there's been a weird spurt of people who have come uh, into my stream asking writers and writing advice and i'm like um i'm trying to don't you see i'm trying to kill these weird monsters <laughs> when you <laughs> stop reminding me of stuff i'm supposed to be doing uh <laughs> but yeah this is, uh danny what about you where are you where where are people going to hear that voice at Ms. Danny Fernandez, as you know, it's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Ify, you and I, I know at least I have officially entered the TikTok world. Oh my God, I just um, did it only because it was the, an idea I had and I was like, this is only a TikTok because it's using TikTok. But you ran into the same problem I had. I laughed because that just happened to me too. I'm like, how does this work? I feel like a boomer. <laughs> um yeah because my i made a selena michael jordan like meme and then it got flagged for uh, did you add the music copyright. yourself or use yeah. the app to find but they it? don't have selena's music uh, yeah, on there exactly and they'll just chop you if you put in mute because i used music from the site but i don't know how to do you know how the kids switch songs in their tiktoks mm -hmm. i don't know how they're doing that so i'm trying to so i thought oh maybe i make the tiktok then i save it and then i re-upload it but then it doesn't recognize as me sourcing it from them so then i got kicked so i'm back to the drawing board i don't know what's going on wow wow well i'm at i am danny fernandez oh yeah we We've people all keep, had to break brand. <laughs> people keep trying to take my names. Uh, anyway, so you can follow me on there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like we always say, stay, stay nerdy. nerdy and stay healthy. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.